0: Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: If it's not a national holiday, well, it should be. Why is that? Because it's Charlotte Week. Actually, it's Charlotte Week, and then it's Charlotte Week again. Because we're so special, we do it two times in a row. All of that said, this is a special show. I'm Jacob Seelman, and, well, the cast of thousands is joining me as they tend to do. Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch alongside in the Race Chaser studio here in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina, Cisco Scaramuza and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens via the Race Chaser Skype line, and all you lovely folks out there are listening to this show either live on the Performance Motorsports Network or live on Spreaker, because, well, that's how we roll. It is Charlotte week, gentlemen. We'll get to the whole uh, where we left Toto and Dorothy in Kansas thing in a second. But, hey, we're home. We don't have to go anywhere for two weeks except a few minutes down the road, Tom. I get to sleep in my own bed after the All-Star race. Woohoo! Well, we all get, well, most of us get to sleep in our own Chris beds. Chris doesn't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Chris. We've imported Murdoch from the Buckeye State, so he'll be sleeping in a different bed. But um, yeah, and, and it is a holiday, kind of, sort of. It's Flag Day today, I believe. So Is that a
3: national holiday? No,
2: but it's certainly something that people do try to pay attention to. And while we are all. Patriots here and love the American flag. We tend to celebrate that one with the uh, black and white squares on it just as much.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's All-Star Week, which means we get hyped because there's a million bucks on the line. Cisco, what would you do for a million bucks? Well,
4: if I was Jeff Burton, I would drive like a little kitty cart around the apron of Charlotte, like the old Klondike commercial back in the day, but... For a million dollars, um, I believe there's a Rooster Teeth series that outlines plenty of things that you could do for a million dollars.
1: steve
5: who would you wreck for a million dollars? I would wreck my grandmother. I would wreck my mother. I would wreck <laughs> my father. I would wreck the guy that pushes the brooms over at Hendrick Motorsports. If you're in my way, you're going for a sleigh ride.
1: I noticed that you conveniently neglected to mention your wife in that statement
5: <laughs> probably a
1: good plan well, you
5: think that's because that would cost Come him a million now. dollars <laughs> if i did that i wouldn't be sleeping in my own bed after the all-star Wars. <laughs> if, if he did that steve wouldn't be alive to spend the money
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well, somebody yeah. would yeah. yikes All right, kids. I think the biggest thing about All-Star Week, which we'll get to in a minute, is the different package that we get to uh, deal with on Saturday. We'll get to that. Now, Tom, let's look back on Dorothy and Toto, since they're still in Kansas, and muse to ourselves, well, he did it again.
2: That would be Kevin Harvick you are speaking of.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I almost quoted Britney Spears. Almost, but not quite. Kevin Harvick has...
2: Just, I mean, we know where the Golden Horseshoe is this year. It is certainly not with Jimmy Johnson, that's for sure. Um, It is definitely uh, with Kevin Harvick right now. I gotta say, I'm just... In this era with the parody that we are supposed to have in these cars, to see one team be that dominant five out of 12 think about that for a second guys five out of 12 if this is exactly the one third point in the season if he keeps this pace up he's going to have 10 wins by the time we get to the start of the playoffs he would have enough playoff points to basically be able to start and park his way to homestead i mean that's just i've never seen anything like this in the modern era i've seen yes truex won a bunch of races last year he wasn't this dominant in the first third of the year and i really feel like kevin harvick there's no signs there's i don't know that there's any stopping him now whether he wins a championship or not is an entirely different matter because of course you could go all the way to homestead and have all the points you want but if you know, if you finish second to some other guy who's in the final four, you go win the championship, which is why we have the championship race the way that in the playoffs, the way that it is now. Um, but my gosh, guys, I mean, you got to take your hats off to this team, the whole Stuart Haas team, really. But the four team has just been unbelievable.
1: My argument to that is if you get that many playoff points and perform at that high a level, Steve, for virtually the entire season – you should, by virtue of performance, go out and blow everybody's doors off at Homestead, and then it's a moot point. I think right now, if the Kevin Harvick that we're seeing goes all the way to Homestead and continues showing up like that each week, the only things that could keep him from winning the championship are either A, the motor blows up, yep. or B, somebody locks him in a porta potty. <laughs>
5: Well, but see, guys, this is this is exactly why this system is going to make it exciting, because, yes, they are the dominant team, but there's so many things that can happen. I mean, look at all the points that Martin Truex racked up in the regular season last year. And it was a good thing he did because he almost had to use that cushion in the first round. So this is an impressive start. There's no doubt about that. And, and they need to keep their foot on the gas. There's absolutely no reason to, to not continue to perform the way they are because they're only going to help themselves once we get to the playoffs. But the playoffs is just a system where you have an opportunity where, yes, you could be the dominant car in the regular season, and you could have one or two things go wrong in round one of the playoffs, and it all goes for naught. So we'll, we'll see how this shakes out, but... I mean, they are just putting a beat down on the rest of the field right now. Yes,
1: they are. It's called stepping on the competition's throat is what that premise is known as. Keep going until, well, they're dead. That's basically how that works. Now, looking back at the race... Hmm, let's see. Somebody prognosticated on this show last week that Kansas was going to be terrible. Hmm, I wonder who that was. Oh, wait, it was me, because Kansas stunk, Tom. It was awful, bad. I hate this track. What race did you watch? I'm sorry. The last two laps does not a good race make. Well, see, now
2: I would say the opposite. I think the last two laps stunk. The rest of the race was pretty interesting. I mean, you had a number of different leaders. You had people coming and going. You had a couple of interesting, I don't want to call Rex good, but it's certainly made for a change of pace for the race. You had Ryan Blaney who looked like he had a good shot. And then Kyle Larson and his wonky window got near him and uh, Blaney went up the track or Larson came down or whatever you want to make of it. Those two crashed. So it took those two contenders out. I actually thought, That was one of the better Kansas races I've seen, to be honest with you, in a while.
1: You just messed up my Dave Moody point, but I'll get to that in a second. Steve-O?
5: Well, guys, to me, what was interesting about this weekend at Kansas, and I thought it was a fantastic race, and what struck me, Jacob, was how, I mean, drivers were talking about Kansas like we hear them talk about Atlanta where we talk about the track is only getting better and better and better. And and I think they proved that on the track on Saturday. Now, were they four wide across the line of the checkered flag? No, they weren't. And, and I'm with Tom. Yes, we had a pass for the lead with two to go, you know, less than two to go. But, I mean, the way these guys were talking about this racetrack, I think that it was a great race, and I think it's only going to get better if that's possible.
1: Well... Okay, that's one school of thought. I still don't agree with said school of thought, but then, hey, what do I know? I just watch races for a living. Cisco, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? I mean, ultimately, Jacob, we also have to take in consideration
4: what races have we just come off of to, you know, use this as a measuring stick in terms of whether the race was good or not. We had Dover, we had Talladega, we had Martinsville, all these short tracks, Richmond throw that in there. Yes, we also had Texas, but... All of those races, we're trying to hold up a measuring stick to a mile and a half, which generally has some of the more less action-packed racing out of the bunch. So for drivers to say that this is starting to feel more like an Atlanta, in my opinion, the best mile and a half track that we go to, that's a good place to be going to. But I agree in the case of where this race wasn't necessarily as good as the race at Martinsville or as good as the race was at Dover, but... I don't think it was a bad race.
1: I just think we're using the wrong measuring stick. All right. I want to go around the table for a minute here since we got about two minutes before break. Tom brought up the incident that really changed the entire thing because before 31 laps to go, when cautions bred cautions and led to Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney having a coming together, Larson was the dominant race car. He had passed Kevin Harvick, run away, and hid for the last about two thirds of that race. And if not for an incident between Alex Bowman and Daniel Suarez that bunched the field up probably wins this race. So the incident between Larson and Blaney heading into turn one, we're assigning blame. Are you blaming Larson? Are you blaming Blaney? Or are you 50, 50 Tom?
2: Well, it looked to me like Larson came down and Blaney went up. So I'd have to say 50, 50, but, As we'll talk about in a later segment, you know, when it comes to the wonky window and Kyle trying to sell us all on the fact that that didn't happen until that incident. Wrong. Pictures on Twitter this morning said otherwise, and NASCAR doesn't believe it either.
6: Christopher? Um, I'm going to say, I mean, Blaney owned up to it in his interview. So he has to feel like at some point there was fault to him there. So. If he's going to take up for it, I'll side with him because there was there was some tail tail whipping going on there down the front straightaway. So, uh, I mean, I, I'd go Blaney.
4: Cisco. If YRB owns up to it, YRB did it, in my opinion. So, I mean, ultimately we could, you know, who did who at the end of the day, but if Blaney owns up to it, Blaney owns up to it. I agree with Chris on that one.
5: Steve. i I go Blaney. I thought he kind of, you know, I, I saw what he was trying to do, but, you know, I think he just, you know, misjudged that. So I'm going to go blame And I'm also going to blame the pit cart that got in Chip Ganassi's way after it happened. <laughs> My goodness, Chip, take it easy, son. Well, I'm going to make this a 4-1 split and put Tom
1: on a lonely island by himself because Ryan Blaney done did exactly what Kevin Harvick done did at Fontana, and I blamed Harvick on that one. That's mm-hmm. that's all YRB. So, and, and you know what? Props to Ryan for owning up to it, because uh, that was a case that really cost both drivers having a shot to win and took both of them, Tom, quickly out of the equation.
2: I just want to say that I don't know if I blame the pit card or pity the poor thing.
1: <laughs> I pity it because <laughs> yeah. Chip Ganassi hits hard. Yeah, Chip did a number on it. We're going to step aside. When we return, we'll continue talking Kansas and the newly coined Dave Moody term, wonky window (laughs) Wednesdays. Try and say that three times fast. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we will continue to be wonky in just a moment here on Spreaker
3: and the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving.
9: Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: This just in, Kevin Harvick is not the only thing this season in NASCAR that is 5 for 12. You know what else is 5 for 12? Wonky Window Wednesday. Or at least it will be, oh, in about 48 hours when kyle larson loses 20 driver and owner points his crew chief gets a fifty thousand dollar fine and his car chief gets a two race vacation because well the wonky window tom i'm just gonna come right out and say it before we even get into our black flag checkered flag my black flag goes to wonky window wednesday why not because dave moody said it because i actually like the term but please people bring a freaking legal car to the racetrack
2: Okay, well, I'm going to actually be two sides of the coin here. First of all, the premise of Dave Moody's column today is that NASCAR needs to toughen up on pre and post-race inspections. They do. Which I agree with when it comes to things like these windows because that's just crap. I mean, these teams are cheating in ways that it's like, They're not they don't even care that it's obvious that they're cheating. They're they're just blatant now about it They're not even trying to hide it. But here's my problem with this You never gave me a chance earlier to answer who I'd wreck for a million bucks And I know you're trying to get me to to name a person or whatever No I would I would blast my car straight through that Hawkeye system and destroy the thing and blow it up permanently. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Because the problem that I see that we've gotten ourselves into is that we've got this machine that microtechs everything down to the nth degree like an atom. Okay, and. It almost takes the humanity out of the whole process of building and, and putting together a race car and teching it. Not all these teams can afford to have their own dog on Hawkeye system at their shop in order to make sure that their cars are legal when they leave the shop. The and uh-huh. here's the uh, hold on, here's the problem. When you're off by an M degree and you gotta roll your car out. And then you got to fix it. And roll it back through again. The next thing you know you're off somewhere else by an empty degree. And then finally the third time you pass, you've got to go back out to the grid. You've got to put your driver in the car. You've got to you've got to p- finish putting together everything you had to take apart to go through this stupid thing. I mean, NASCAR, I'm sorry, but my black flag for the week is a combination of two things. The teams that are cheating like crazy because basically they don't care about the penalty and this whole concept that NASCAR has to make everything equal down to the atom. You've had uncontrolled tire penalties where the tire was barely to the line that or on has the line nothing to do
1: with for the a Hawkeye half a system.
2: second. But wait a minute. I'm making a bigger point here. N- nothing to do with the the, the, the tire is barely to the line and somebody grabs it back and we're making somebody come in for a stop and go and ruining their race because for one split second, we were a hair over the line. This The whole process of all these penalties, whether it's pre-race tech or whether it's pit penalties, all these cameras and all of this tech equipment, the, the whole process is sucking the life out of NASCAR and it's sucking the humanity out of the whole thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're losing races over a couple of inches of a white line because we have one guy less over the wall and the tire gets away for three seconds before we grab It doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't actually go out of the pit, just barely gets to the line and we're doing a stop and go. There's got to be room here for some judgment. And as far as I'm concerned, I can see both sides of this. I totally agree with Dave Moody about the penalties, and I got an easy one for you. If you're illegal, go home. Bye. That'll stop it. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, but at some point, you've got to start making it so stiff that these teams won't dare try to cheat that blatantly and hold up the process. And no, we shouldn't be holding up time trials for... For, for a problem with the, the machine, that's not the rest of the drivers or the fans' fault.
1: Okay, I'm going to reiterate here something that I said earlier today. I heard what you said. I don't
2: care if the thing crashes. There's 15 teams that pass Tech the first time that are on the line waiting to qualify. Send them. If you didn't get past the first time, then that's not the rest of the team's fault.
1: No, that's the point. The thing crashed, and not everyone had yet had an opportunity to go
2: through the first well, time. Well, that's not the first time we've held up tech either for people not.
1: No, uh, you're, you're mi- you. Tom. Stop. You're missing the point. What I said, it wasn't about people going back through a second time. That thing crashed, and everyone did not have an. You're equal missing opportunity my point. To get and through Moody's the first point, time. this
2: wasn't the first time that they've held up time trials for people to get through the line. Time trial no, started
1: six regardless, period. That's it. Both you and Moody are wrong because you're well, missing NASCAR's point. And, and I actually... Uh, you have a right to disagree, but that's my opinion. Well, it is your opinion, but I see not many other people complaining about it besides you and Moody. I see so. a ton of people
2: complaining about it.
1: Well, it is what it is. Cisco... To uh, stop the arguing for a few minutes, do you have a black flag? I've thought about it because, you know, I I didn't get a chance to watch all of Kansas, I'll admit.
4: You know, between LSR TV and between running around, you know, having to truck myself back three hours, all that sort of stuff, my race coverage was not as up-to-date as I would like it to be. However, if I'm going to give a black flag at all, I'm going to give it to just... I don't know. I don't want to it's it's just a global one. I'm probably cheating at this point, but I just like to give it to NASCAR as a whole for the case of we went, you know, I'm starting to it's not really a huge deal or at least people aren't making it a huge deal because it's been going on for a while. But we once again had another weekend without 40 cars. And this has been going on all season long now. And yes, it was a storyline back at Daytona, but everyone seems to have forgotten about it at this yes, point. I just want to bring it
1: way. back up.
2: They only care about the uh, charters. They don't care about anybody else.
1: Yeah, I know. And they've that's, said as much, and I think if, that's it, a shame. But. If you're going to black flag something, black flag the charter system, Cisco. There yeah, you go. Well,
4: okay, I'll black flag the charter system at that point because it, it's, it's sad that in IndyCar... For this year, a series that hasn't had bump day, you'll know, actually mean something in a couple of years. They actually are going to be sending cars home in Indianapolis, and yet we don't even have that threat at all in NASCAR anymore. You show Hawkeye up and you'll basically the make either. the race. You just have to make sure, well, I mean, and to Tom's point, you just have to make sure that you somewhat pass check.
1: Okay, Tom, so I'll play devil's advocate. Let me ask you this. So you would rather we go back to how it was last year when Toyota was massacring everybody because no. they could get away with things no. in tech that nobody else could? Nope. nope, There's an easy fix to this.
2: Now, I, I'm not going I'm I'm to say the complete fix to it because there's, I'm sure there's more to it. But here's, here's the basic way to fix this. First of all, get the front ends of the cars back up off the track. Raise the ride height. Get rid of the splitter, go to a valiance. Cut down on the arrow. As much as you possibly can, cut down on the arrow. We don't need computerized tech. We need to make rules that can be easily enforced. And we need for human beings to enforce them consistently and not make mistakes. Look, we've had years in the past where one manufacturer has had a, a little bit of an edge over the other one. Right now, Ford's got a huge edge over the rest of the field. I don't care what anybody says. Now, I can't explain why. But all you got to do is look at the results.
1: (laughs) I can. The Hawkeye system took away all the gray areas where Toyota and Chevy were getting away with things that they shouldn't have gotten away with, which is why I like the Hawkeye system because there should not be gray area. No, Ford just played within the rules. And when uh, the Hawkeye system brought Toyota and Chevy back to Earth, it proved where Ford had found legal speed. There's a difference.
2: Oh, really? Legal speed. Let's talk about the cucumbered wins that some of the Ford teams have had in the last year. Remember Joey Vagano last year at Richmond? Remember Kevin Harvick already once? I think they had a wonky window too, didn't
1: they? Everybody. Every manufacturer has had a wonky (laughs) window But this is what I'm saying.
2: If you can't tech a wonky window without a Hawkeye, you're in trouble. No, the the wonky window has
1: nothing to do with the Hawkeye system. You're missing the
2: point. No, I'm making my own point. The point of the the point that I've been making throughout the last 10 minutes of the show is consistent, which is that now we are making tech more and more <clears throat> technical to the point where if you're a 16th of an inch out of spec in one area, you're going to go out, go all the way around, fix it, and go back through again. We're, we're not,
1: there's no human interaction. You know what? Yes, it's there, all are. there are three. No, there are three officials that, if there's something wrong, they go and they take the measurement tools and they check it against what the Hawkeye shows. Yes. I've watched and Tech Inspector. Yes, Spectrum. I know.
2: So have I. And, and here's, here's what you're missing, Jacob. The part of the equation that you're missing here is this there's no room for judgment. No, it's off by a 16th, fix it, go back no, through.
1: No, but but you forget there's tolerances in the rule book. That's a 16th well, off the tolerance. The fact
2: that we have to have all these tolerances, I'm just going to tell you, I've been around this for 30 years, is the fact that we have to have all these tolerances and have all these rules that we need a. Uh, a uh, uh, a Hawkeye machine, a disco tech, to send these cars through that they can not half of them can't get through twice without failing one way or another is one of the biggest reasons why you've lost fans and droves from this sport. I because call when bull you go crap to your, on that. I don't, because when you go to your dirt track on Saturday night, you don't have a Hawkeye. You don't have massive tech. You have tech done by humans that are trusted to know what they're doing.
1: Well... We're going to agree to disagree, and I'm going to That's hit your fine. mute button because if I don't, we're never going to take this commercial break that we have to take. We'll be back with more Motorsports Madness, and maybe Tom will be less mad in a minute. You're listening to Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Standby.
3: or you can email them at office at com. drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way
2: hms motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety hms serves the majority of monster energy nascar cup xfinity camping world truck indycar and imsa WeatherTech teams as well as countless SECA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout north america
1: I'm Dalton Sargent. And you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. So, since I was a horrible human being and didn't give Chris a chance, or Steve, I guess for that matter, to get their black and well, we all have to get checkered flags in at some point during the next little bit. So I, I'm, I'm going to be a nice human now and, and let Chris and Steve get their black flags in before we just completely commandeer this show without them. Sorry for muzzling you guys. Chris, you first. Um, my
6: black flag uh, today for Kansas goes to Roush Fenway and all the fans that have turned their back on Trevor Bayne. Because, Ooh, amen, brother. Because the that proved la, or on Saturday, Matt Kenseth proved that it is the car. Trevor Absolutely. Bain can't. Can, I mean, Trevor Bayne has proved his point. He cannot drive that equipment to the best of his ability because it, or he can, but it's not getting him very far. Matt Kenseth has proven that to be a fact because Matt Kenseth was sub twenties.
2: Very quickly, here's the stats: 26 fastest in practice and then one of the teams that couldn't even make it through the discotheque in time to qualify, just so you know.
1: And three laps down in the race before he got unceremoniously ejected in the crash that, thank God, William Byron walked away from because that hurt. That really hurt me just to watch it. Sure did. Steve.
5: Are we really talking about Matt Kenseth in his first race back this season? In a manufacturer he hasn't driven for in how many years? I mean, are we really taking the heat off Trevor Bain here? Because I'm not. what I saw in the first, what, 11 races of this season was poor performance after poor performance after crash after crash. I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not taking my foot off the gas pedal. On on Trevor Bain here just yet. I mean, yes, that team is struggling, but let's let's not forget this is Matt Kenseth's first race back and first race back in a Ford. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not taking you know uh, this weekend's performance by Matt Kenseth did not save Trevor Bayne's NASCAR Monster Energy Cup career. Look. So if I'm interpreting your comments right Matt Kenseth
2: has completely forgotten how to drive and the car is fine There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that Matt Kenseth needs to blow the rust off I don't believe that I also don't believe if you go back and look at the crashes that Trevor had that all of them were his fault There's a huge difference in where the 6 team is right now and where the 17 team is And that's what I had said all along that the two teams were not equal in where they are right now Cisco And Matt Kenseth showed it because if you believe that the best he could do with a car that was a 10th place car, like the 17, was 26th, then I got news for you. I mean, you know, I don't believe that. It was the car. Matt said himself, Cisco, I expected we'd be far more competitive than we were. It was a tough weekend all around. We got a lot of work to do.
1: I'm not so sure it's just the car, by the way. This was a point, Cisco, that was brought up, and I'm sitting there kind of sort of thinking it may be possible. I'm not so sure, and this is no disrespect to the team, but I'm not so sure that they may not need a change at the crew chief position, too. I feel like maybe things are stale over there as well.
4: Yeah, and I agree. I think there's a lot of things that can be changed over the six. Maybe the dry, you know, the driver may well be not the issue at all, and it could be a problem with the crew chief. We don't know, but we can't be making snap judgments after one week of one change. I mean, we have to we have to look at you know the whole playbook. It's something I mentioned earlier. Once again, the meter stick that we're using, we just came from short track, super speedway. Mile and a half, short track, short track. All these different tracks that aren't mile and a half. We have to, we have to compare, you know, like track with like track and like performance over the weekend versus like performance. They didn't make tech, like Tom said, so you can't take that. That qualifying run went out the window. So not to mention, this is the first time Matt's driven this rules package, new manufacturer, all this sort of stuff. We can't combine, we can't compare like and like if we don't have a like to begin with. This is a good start, but I will start to be able to tell what that six team is capable of and really what the
1: problem is once we get a couple more races done. Reminder, Ricky Stenhouse went through four crew chiefs before he found one that he clicked with and started getting better. There's only been two crew chiefs on that car since Trevor Bain got in it in 2015, and one of them is still there. Matt Puscia, I'm looking at you.
2: I think he just played into uh, Chris's and my point there, but thank you.
1: Yes. No. I purposely played into your point because I agree with it. Just saying. Checkered flags. We're gonna go around the table. Chris, you can start. Safety, because we've been uh, we've been harping on the William Byron wreck the
6: entire day. Safety. Those walls did exactly what they needed to do. And the car. And the car did exactly what it needed to do. That was a really hard hit for him, and then to come back down and land on Ryan Newman's car.
1: There was that.
6: Safety did its job that day, boys.
1: All right, Tom. Can,
2: can I give like some sort of a check and flag to Newman just because like I feel so bad for him. He's had more cars land on top of him in his career than
1: anyone ought to.
2: I mean, he had parallel
1: uh Edwards, I well, I, like, I don't three. know that Edwards landed on top of him at Talladega in 09. I guess Edwards caught him when he was on his way up. I think there was another one, too. Still. I think this is the third time.
2: But anyway, um, gosh, I don't know. Checkered flag is, uh, for me, I think I'd have to give my checkered flag to the race winner, Kevin Harvick and his team, because, boy, you can put those guys down, but you can hardly knock them out. The only way Kevin Harvick falls out of a race anymore is if he crashes. I mean, Everybody else, every other race that he's run this year, he's been perfect or nearly perfect. So I can't believe I'm saying it, but my checkered flag goes to Kevin Harvick and the four team.
1: Cisco.
4: My checkered flag is going to, I'm going to split it between two drivers who had good weekends. They finished right next to each other. Paul Menard in sixth and Eric Jones in seventh. Okay. Just cause. Because Eric Has been needing these runs, to be honest, and I think he got a little bit overshadowed by everyone freaking out about uh, about Suarez. So I think this is Jones needs to rack up some good runs here. It's obviously it's an amazing car, that 20 car, because that's the car Kenseth left. But we know that equipment's good. And Paul Menard being in the top 10 is awesome. I'm just saying that flat out. That is awesome. I'm so happy for him that he is now in equipment that he can go out and have these runs. I'm just saying it would not surprise me at all if we saw that 21 in the running at Indianapolis. Just saying he's won there before.
5: Uh Steve. My checkered flag goes to a guy who grew up racing on the dirt up here in New York. Stuart Friesen gets my checkered flag for hanging a big old left off a of turn four and sending that four truck into the grass, baby. That's what we're talking about. That was dirt track style. And, hey, he come away with a top three finish, too. And as I said on this program earlier this season, Stuart Friesen will win a race this year, and it will come before Eldora. I'm not sold that he wins Eldora. He will win a race before we get to Eldora.
1: And it will be on a mile and a half, and it may be on Friday night, providing we race on Friday night. Sorry, guys, I have to be the one that's the realist and say it because that four-letter word that we don't talk about on this show is in the forecast, so yeah. Anyway, my checkered flag is going to circle back and... It's going to be my segue into the truck series because, well, I thought the truck race on Friday was fantastic. And my checkered flag goes to Noah Gregson, not for winning the race, but my checkered flag goes to Noah Gregson for climbing the fence and not losing his lunch afterwards. Just saying.
6: That was cool to see. It it reminded me of the old Tony Stewart days when Tony would climb up on the fence and get the flag. That was really cool to see, and it had me take a step back and realize – at how special and how excited that kid was to win a race.
1: Yes. (laughs) Now, let's talk trucks, Tom, because this, for me, was a statement. Noah dominated. He swept. He's now the third Kyle Busch Motorsports driver to sweep a truck race from start to finish. They needed this. They needed this in a big, big way.
2: You know what other team has had a truck sweep a truck series race? Nobody. None. (laughs) <laughs> that that gives you a little bit of an idea, doesn't it? Yeah, that was a great race for Noah. I really was glad to see him win that because I think from a psyche standpoint, I think he needed that.
1: absolutely. He
2: needed to go ahead and show himself more than probably anybody else, really, that he could close a race and could get a win. Uh, after the week before, and you know, look, he was a little over aggressive. It's not like nobody else has made that mistake. All the best of the best make it once in a while, uh, but he he did a good job, and I thought it was a very very good race. It was nice to see Stuart Friesen running so well. Not surprising, but nice. And I actually thought that was as enjoyable a truck race as you'll probably see all year. To be honest. We thought Kyle Busch would dominate because, well, he was there. and He didn't he, dominate. He was in really, fact, he barely led. Yeah, he was never really a factor. I mean, in the end of the first segment, he was chasing his teammate, but that was... That was about as close as he got, really. I mean, you know, there were a lot of really good trucks in that race, and that was good to see because, you know, you want to see some of these guys. But, again, the Heartbreak Award once again has to go to
1: Ben Rhodes. I don't know Uh. what that kid has to do. I think there's some sort of cursed Indian burial ground (laughs) near Kansas that he's pissed somebody off there because Kansas does not like him.
2: No, and it's really uh, interesting because – He's done so well there the last two seasons, only to come away empty and Gosh, I mean, I know that he's got to win in the series, but you know he wants better than that, and he really deserves better than that. It's just unfortunate that uh you know that that team, for whatever reason, can't seem to put an entire race together, either they make a mistake in the pits or that something happens to the truck or you know maybe even Ben makes a mistake but if they ever get on a roll, they probably won't stop for a while. So I would, I would say that uh, probably the heartbreak award for the whole weekend would have to go to Ben Rhodes.
1: Cisco, can I give you good news? Yes. What is it? There are count them thirty-eight trucks on the entry list for Charlotte you Friday see? night. Look at that!
4: Come on,
1: Cup can't pull a full field, and yet we're sending
5: six trucks home steve well six hey, that's impressive i mean but in in jacob or tom or siscom i mean maybe you guys can answer this better for me i don't you know we talked about this last week tom i think it was i'll, I'll throw this to you we talked about arca not necessarily being a a grassroots budget type of racing i don't think the trucks is either so, you know, what what can we really point to that we've got 6 trucks that are going to have to go home this week? Well, the
2: fact that we start 32 trucks and 40 cup cars is really what the difference is. I mean, It doesn't we, matter. We've we only, barely been pulling 32 trucks. Well, we only had 30 yeah. trucks at Kansas. I mean, it's a home it's a hometown race. So, the travel expense for 98% of the truck teams that exist outside of ThorSport is basically nothing it's up the road a a, a piece i mean that's you get to sleep in your own bed you don't need a hotel so it's very affordable for the teams because they're based here if i were to be honest i would be disappointed that we only have 38 trucks but the fact that we only had 30 at kansas and now we have 38 means that you got to be excited about that absolutely we are sending six trucks home but i Like I said, I think you have to remember that, again, this is a hometown race, which explains a lot.
1: Yes, keynotes here, by the way, as we're going to break. Chris Eggleston debuting in the 17, the second truck for DGR Crosley. And Brandon Jones staying in the truck series this week, but moving over from the 51 to the 46 for his second start for KBM this year. Hmm. We'll be back and shift gears on Motorsports Madness in just a moment. You're listening to Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
8: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
7: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the round table and Jacob Seelman.
1: And then there was IndyCar on Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens with you talking racing on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. And there was an IndyCar race on Saturday, which was, as far as I'm concerned, out of the five runnings that we've held of the IndyCar Grand Prix on the IMS Road Course, Cisco, the second best out of the five runnings of this race. Granted, Will Power won for the third time in five runnings, but I'll tell you what, he really had to earn this one. Yes, he did. And I wanted to give a checkered flag,
4: and I don't want to give it to any of the drivers. I want to give it to the cameraman over at IMS who caught Spencer Pickett hopping the curb, catching midair, and landing down and spinning out because that was the coolest image to come out of this weekend. I don't care what you say.
1: Spencer, like, did somebody put a, a ramp there? Because he did. no, it's like he, the Mach was...
4: Five, you know, you know, in Speed Racer, how you had the he'd hit the button and it shoot the chocks out from under.
9: And... <laughs> I,
1: I can't make the Tarzan noise, but if there was a vine over Spencer's head, he would have been able to do the yell, Tom, and it would have been really funny because that thing was higher than I've seen any Indy car save for Scott Dixon at Indianapolis last year in a long time.
2: Okay, I'm just still getting over the fact it took us five years, but we finally got a Speed Racer reference in in one of our shows.
1: No, I I swear we've had one before. I just would have to go back and look to find where it was. But, hey, anyway. Willpower. Yes, willpower in a race of willpower, Cisco, because he and Robbie Wickens, my goodness. I mean, that was a clash of two drivers who were both determined to win and, Will was able to dig a little bit deeper when it mattered most. But if you haven't bought into the phenomenon that is Robert Wickens,
4: you should probably buy into the phenomenon that is Robert Wickens now. What's (laughs) wrong with you? I mean, this performance alone, he is going to be, and it's like I said last week, Schmidt-Peterson, this is the strongest I have seen them. And considering Hinch's track record, like I said last week, Hinch in a similar in the other team car for Schmidt-Peterson, he doesn't have any distractions this year. Doesn't have, you know, the, oh, you're back from the injury and everything like that in his head. This is just going to be him going at Indy. Hinch is going to be tough. Wickens, he doesn't have the experience, but he's got plenty of tests, plenty of practice to get that all out of the way. I think both of those cars are going to be fantastic on the 500.
1: Oh, absolutely. Today was conversion day, Chris, by the way. Uh, Everybody getting their cars into Speedway trim for the remainder of the month of May. But to me, Saturday felt like a race that Will Power—I won't say he had to win— But much like with Noah Gregson, I feel like he needed to win this race to prove to himself, hey, we're back and we can survive these fluky, weird things that have really derailed them over the first four races of the season.
6: It's definitely been a battle of frustration for for that team and for Will to to come out and and have those misfortunes. But to come into Indy and, and come back to a track that he's done so well at, and, and win, that has to be a confidence booster, expect, especially leading into one of the biggest races uh, of the year, like you mentioned, getting all their cars into in the Speedway trim. It, it's interesting the, the wave of momentum he'll have going into that race.
1: Yes, it will be. And looking back on this race, Cisco, it was a tire strategy war, it was a war of how hard can you drive. And at the end of it, when the race went back green with 24 laps to go and we all knew it was coming, it was a war of how much gas can you save and still go fast. And if I'm anybody with Scott Dixon right behind me in second in one of those kind of wars, let me just say, I'm shocked Will won that race all things considered.
4: Yeah, that was shaping up to be a Scott Dixon kind of day, but Will was able to hold him off and do willpower things at Indianapolis. So at the end of the day, it's you know, two of the series' greatest drivers of this generation going at it, and unsurprisingly, Will comes out at the comes out on top at the track that he's done so well at. But just because, of course, he is. Of course, the driver who finishes fourth wasn't on the podium, but he's still here, and you can't get rid of him. It's Sebastian Bourdais because he, he he's like the plague. He just never goes away. He's always there. <laughs> Did that, you just compare
1: I, Sebastian Bourdais to the plate?
2: That was that was really harsh, Cisco. I don't, I don't think that's very nice. Call him a Okay, flag. so
1: his
4: tena- his tenacity is unmatched.
1: How about that? There. Can I say that? That's fair. All right.
4: That's fair. It's much better.
1: 200. That's another number that was important on Saturday. 200 IndyCar wins for the captain, Roger Penske, Tom. I can barely fathom 200 NASCAR wins for Richard Petty. But 200 IndyCar wins, which races half as many times a year as NASCAR for Roger Penske as an owner. That, to me, is just unbelievable. And it speaks so much to the empire that Roger has built in American open-wheel racing.
2: Well, I totally agree, and I mean, he's been around forever in IndyCar and has always had the resources. I really only remember one off year that the Penske teams had, Chris. In all the years that I've been watching Indy, which probably I'm going to guess started around 1973, I can only remember the Penske team being off one year when they didn't make the... uh, indy 500 i'm glad you
1: mentioned that because i was going to the rest of the
2: time as far as i'm concerned they've been the best of the best they haven't always won a championship but it's a big deal to win 200 indy car races and it's a real credit not only to roger for being able to assemble teams and cars but pick the right drivers to win races
6: you're exactly right and penske's been doing good at knocking off milestones This season. I mean, over on the EMSA side, they had Ricky Taylor become the 50th different driver to win a race for that organization. Then to get 200 wins with uh, with Team Penske IndyCar Cisco. They've done a really good job at having a a stellar year uh, for that team and, and really capitalizing on all of this momentum throughout the organization.
4: And because we like to connect dots, Jacob, there's one other person we have to talk about if we're going to talk about this race and Penske. It's the guy who finished sixth because he's just that kind of guy. And it's Mr. Elio Castroneves, the happiest man in all of motorsports, I'm convinced.
1: (laughs) He's back. And he had to come from the back to sixth too, Tom. This was the drive by a driver who I feel like was subtly trying to say to Roger, I wasn't ready to leave yet <laughs> Well I
2: don't think he had to subtly say it. I'm sure he said it to Roger when it was first brought up last year. I really don't I don't have any real qualms with the fact that Elio can still go run for a championship, but You know, he's toting the team line there and doing what was asked of him. And, you know, I think uh, having Roger over in the sports car deal livens up that series a whole bunch. And, you know, when he gets to come back and play at Indy, that just makes it that much more special, particularly if he goes out wins the 500, which I think he has a great chance to do.
1: Oh, he absolutely has a great chance to do that, Cisco. I don't think there's any question. Elio Castroneves is going to be one of the guys you have to beat in order to get to the Borg Warner Trophy this year, he is going for four. And honestly, I feel like Elio may be treating this year like it's his, like it's his last shot because it very well could be his last shot.
4: And and to paraphrase what Wally Dallenbach said, I don't think there would be anyone at that track who would be sad if Elio won that race or mad that their driver didn't win because it's Elio. He's He is the, if there was, I'd I'd say he's probably the Dale Jr. of IndyCar, except he's even more likable than Dale Jr. because he's just hilarious. Because, I mean, he's been able to do everything. Junior Nation said email Well, let me, let me, let me preface. Let me preface. (laughs) Junior in his private life is still a very private guy. And keep in mind that he's, he used to be fairly shy and still kind of is in some regard. Elio, from everything I've seen, has been Mr. Personality all the time. You know, it's he just seems a
6: little bit more friendly, or at least to my eyes, than Junior. I do want to point out here, guys, uh, before we get too far off the tangent of 200 wins, uh, just the two dominant drivers who've been uh, kind of the driving force behind celebrating those two uh, 200 wins. Uh Genevas has 30. Will Power ties him with 30. Yeah. Rick Mears, 29. Danny Sullivan, 12. And, and it, it goes on from there. But just to talk about your current drivers right now, uh, Elio and Will, to have 30 wins, the most wins out of anybody in that organization well, says a lot.
2: And just hearing what you said there, if you add that up, three drivers have almost half of the team's IndyCar wins. Almost. That's
6: amazing.
2: 99 yeah. out of the 200. 89. 89, sorry.
1: Math. Math is hard. Yeah. That's well, why like, we don't do it I, very much I on this track. I re-added
2: it, but you jumped in before I could correct
6: myself. And if we want to know their most winningest track, Indianapolis with 20.
1: Duh. 17 in the five hundred, three 3 in the Grand Prix. And then it goes Pocono, Mid-Ohio, and down the line. Actually, sorry, 16 in the 504 in the Grand Prix. Math really is 16 hard. 16 in, We're in gonna... the 500. Has anyone done that in Daytona before? 16, 500 wins? Daytona 500 wins? Oh, gosh, not even (laughs) close, I don't think. Anyway, math is really hard, as I just proved. We're going to go away, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Indy 500 qualifying while I figure out how numbers work in my brain. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We'll have more things to talk about and words right after this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
3: Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive.
9: This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi,
4: I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: There's an appearance by the kid who just needs a clover. Yeah.
2: He would walk 500 miles for some good luck right now.
1: Yeah, wait, I hope a he didn't miles. just curse the show. Oh, <laughs> I think we're good <laughs> alright, anyway, welcome back to Motorsports Madness, it's hour number two here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza and Steve Evans talking racing right now, and going to continue onward with IndyCar conversation and mention, hey the Indy 500 qualifying weekend is ahead of us, and We have bumping, Tom. We talked a little bit about it with Joel Sebastianelli in the last couple weeks leading into this, but bump day is back. It's a beautiful thing. I'm so excited.
2: Yeah, it is. It's nice to see it because at least there's some sort of drama on who's going to start the Indy 500. I know they've had the whole race for the pole thing, but, you know, that... And they still have that. Yeah, they still have it. And that's just never intrigued me that much because it doesn't matter who starts pole you know it it, the idea of having a bump day again makes it feel at least a little bit more like the older days of course you had oftentimes you know five six drivers contending for the last spot but at least we're going in the right direction and it's going to be interesting there again the parody of the cars there could be a surprise on bump day somebody could not make the field that you really think is a lock um a lot of it comes down to just timing and who happens to be on the grid last because you get two or three guys that are going out and sort of playing ping pong with the 33rd starting position and um it's whoever happens to be the lucky one that's sitting there waiting to go out last when the gun goes off and gets that last run to get themselves back in so you know i think um I hate to say this because I'm a real big fan of Buddy Wazir, but I think old Buddy's going to have uh, some difficulty this year. He's going to have to find a little more speed in that car than what he's found in the last couple of years, I think.
1: No, because Buddy games. never actually filed an official entry, so we only have 35 oh, cars. Oh, I didn't
2: realize that. Okay. Nope, well,
1: just 35 this year. And that year. may
2: be why. So, yeah, so you got a couple of cars that uh, are going to be interesting to watch, and I still don't know, have we filled the uh, – 19 car? I was getting to
1: that, and the answer is no, not yet.
2: Catherine Legg wants
1: it. I'm not sure that Catherine Legg is going to get it, though from all accounts that I've heard, it appears as though Sebastian Saavedra is the logical choice to get it.
2: Yeah. I would think uh, Sebastian I'll drive probably it. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cisco,
1: you're actually close enough. Just yeah, but, just, uh, just pay for the food
5: and, and the hotel room. I'll drive it. You don't have to pay me uh, uh,
2: It'll cost you about $6 million.
1: But, um, Something like is that. Is it
5: possible, guys, that we're this close to the event and they still don't know a driver for, for well, a ride? Because Keep, of the injury. Because of the
1: injury. Yeah, to... Pietro, when he was injured at Spa, a uh, couple weeks back, uh, that really threw them into a wrench. Pietro Fittipaldi was supposed to drive that car, Steve. And when you break both your legs in a prototype, that nope, kind of that, yeah, that'll do it. Got gotcha. gotcha. That was I the was show that you missed, that actually. That that's that's why you weren't on last Monday night. So
2: yeah, it's really that was sad for Pietro because uh, I think he would have actually probably been. I don't want to say necessarily a factor to win, though he certainly could have, but he, I'm sure he would have had a good run because he had good speed. Absolutely. And, you know, I think he yes. would have been fine there, but uh, that's certainly going to be a ride that will give somebody a shot to run well, and uh, hopefully they do choose wisely and not just based on a dollar sign.
1: Well, I mean... Cisco, let's just be honest here. Sebastian Saavedra is not a bad choice. Yes, he's got dollars, but Saavedra has been competitive in the past at the Indianapolis 500. No, I agree. And this
4: is this is a case where I think you could there's a whole pool of drivers that you could go into as well who, you know, might hop in a car for this as well Ryan if it isn't Saavedra, Brisco. you know. I think of Does Ryan Briscoe have a ride yet? No. There you go, there's another one. He he nearly won the darn thing if it wasn't for, you know, a wall. But um
2: a lot of guys could have probably said that. Yeah, well, yeah, Hildebrand, of...
4: this, this one
5: was more specifically off turn four.
4: Yeah. But... Like Hildebrand. Oh yeah, that that's who I'm thinking of, It's Hildebrand, but yes, Steve.
5: I'm just wondering guys, because uh, I'm trying to get a little bit and I'm sure there's folks listening tonight that are curious this too. At what point this week do they have to make that decision? I mean at what point is is too late or or you know at what point do they need to have this nailed down?
1: I think they will have it nailed down by midweek. You're not going to see them waiting until Friday morning to make an announcement. I'm pretty sure uh, based on all accounts that I've heard that we'll know who's going to drive that car by I'd say Wednesday afternoon because they've got to make sure that the seats in and at least some practice is available for whoever's going to pilot that car. And heck, with opening day, Cisco, being tomorrow morning, we may even have a driver announcement tomorrow yeah. morning before they officially open the track for practice. It, it would make
4: sense that they'd knock it out tomorrow morning, considering it's going to be a Tuesday. That's kind of the perfect time for it. So I, I could see them doing tomorrow.
1: Get it done tomorrow. Get your yep. driver out on track for practice. I'm sure this has already been in the works to make sure they can go ahead and take advantage of all available practice time to make it happen. Uh, in a perfect world, if sponsorship Cisco is not an issue, who would you put in that car if you were Dale Coyne? Um, Oh man, I does Connor Daly have a ride? Yes, he's in the okay. seventeen. <laughs> yeah, actually, right. in one of the yeah. other coin cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's one. Um, given because
4: he's kind of been, uh, because he's kind of been Mister Backup lately, and I just, I just like him for it. I, I would put Briscoe in the car, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the catch there would be Ganassi. Tom would have to yeah. allow him to do that because Ryan is under contract to Chip on the sports car side with the Ford GT. But heck, if you get an opportunity to run the Indy 500, I mean, I, if I know Chip Ganassi, he's not going to pull a Roger and not let that happen.
2: Yeah, I would think that probably I would have to choose between briscoe and saavedra only because most of the other reliable let's say have helmet will travel choices are already in rides uh, correct that you would want to put in at this point at this late date cisco
4: I mean, but also Tom, if we were listening to you last week, you'd also like to put Michael Andretti in that car because
1: that. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, he I went I there.
2: Confusing it with Marco. Well, you know, like I said, if Marco wins, Michael wins too. So it's it's all the same thing.
1: Again, Michael's won three out of the last four. Well,
2: I'm still not wrong.
1: It's, no, you know, but You're not no, wrong.
2: there's just not a, there's not a plethora of uh, because of the extra couple of cars, we've actually got most of the helmet toters in cars this year, whereas last year there were a couple of them sitting on the sidelines. I would love to see Townsend Bell in a ride of that quality. Yeah. And I know Joel mentioned that last year, and he'd probably be my first choice, but I really don't know if Townsend would would do it at this point or not. He seemed pretty resolute. I don't think he wants that, to. You know, he was done. So you fall back to either Briscoe or Saavedra, and I don't think you go wrong either way, but I'd love to see Chase I'd love to see Ryan Briscoe in that car, not Chase Briscoe, but Ryan Briscoe.
1: (laughs) I I wondered. Actually, I'd love to
2: see Chase Briscoe in it, too, but uh, that would be a farther reach.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe next year. Now, I'll add to this really quickly, Cisco, before we talk about giving picks for the poll here. Uh, Just to throw it out there, he's not 18 yet, but good grief. I'll tell you who I wish we could see in an Indy car for the 500 this year, and it's a, actually a, a second generation of the Herda that has gone on to win as a co-entrant a couple times in the last six, uh, six or seven years. Colton Herda, not only did he sweep Indy Lights on the road course, but good grief, the kid's going to be a superstar.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Herda next year is he gonna is he gonna maybe hop in that car? By God, I hope so.
5: I'm because, sure I mean, he'll.
4: does Herda, Herda is he technically still part of what Marco's driving now, technically? Yes. He's okay. the co-owner
1: of that car. Hmm. You'll hmm. see Colton
2: in a car, I'm sure, when he's ready to go there will be a car for him whether there's, it's that one or not is
1: a different matter
4: there's a bright orange car with formerly mclaren on it that you could just color over with crayon <laughs> that he might be able to use just well saying.
1: i wouldn't be so sure that you have to color over it with crayon if adam stern is to be believed from earlier today because oh mclaren is looking at a full-time IndyCar program, circa 2019. Kids.
4: Okay. I'm sold. Do it, please. Thank you. Do it. Yes.
1: Fernando. Alonzo. Anybody? Alonso. Please.
4: That would. That would. The the media around the 500 alone was insane. Could you imagine him deciding? You know what? I'm done with F1. Screw you guys. I'm going to run IndyCar because I could have won some of those F1 races and I know I can
1: win some of these IndyCar races. I think too, the fact that you're seeing the switch to Renault and yet the car is not as competitive as it needs to be for wins, I think that's very telling, Cisco. I really do. I it
4: would that would be amazing if that happened and the press and just prestige it would bring to the series. It would be the second, you know, former F1 driver in a couple of years to decide. You know what? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my role here and I'm gonna run this series. I'm speaking, of course, about Juan Pablo as well, who came back to IndyCar and found a lot of success there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought you were gonna go the way of Alex Rossi for a minute. And I'm well, thinking yes, to myself, but, he's a
4: driver who had success,
1: who yeah, was able to yeah. get to F1. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah, he won the. F1 title and then came to IndyCar, and we all know the rest from there. So, yes. anyway. Yeah, no, it's it could be fun. It could be really a lot of fun. All right, round the table, real quick. Picks for the poll. Who gets it? Tom. For Indy? Yes.
2: Gosh, that's a tough one because I feel like there's about 15 cars that could actually make that happen, but um, I'll just go with a flyer here and go – it's not really a flyer. I'll go with
4: Joseph Newgarden.
1: All right. Chris. Hinchtown. Cisco.
4: Chris stole mine, so I'm going to have
1: to go somewhere else. Um, I'm going to say, you know what? Elio. Wow. That would be great. I would <laughs> like dance. You in all the know, I, would, I
6: wouldn't argue with that.
5: So. Steve. Go, Daddy, go. Go, Daddy, oh. go! He's on the hunt. Go, height Daddy, go! No, <laughs> yes. no, no, no! Danica Patrick for the pole. <gasps>
1: did he really just say that?
5: <laughs> He's on the high Are you what? Are, <laughs> are you
6: Are you one hundred percent serious?
5: I'm a 1,000% serious. Yes! (laughs) I'm
6: the same guy that
5: gave Stuart Fraser a checkered flag for trying Uh, to wreck Kyle Busch the other night. Yeah,
1: Steve's got a point. Steve's got a point. You know what? No. I like Hollywood scripts, but I don't like Steve's Hollywood script. I'm going for the real Hollywood script. The Frenchman to the pole a year after the track nearly took him away from us, Sebastian Bourdais, and Dale Coyne. If you don't believe in that script, I got news for you. This is a man that's going to come out possessed in qualifying, and anybody who knows Sebastian Bourdais when he's driving like a man possessed, yeah, look out. That's all I got to say. We're going to break. We got dirt track talk coming right after this. Steve, stay hyped. You're listening to Motorsports Madness Live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casica Porkchop, Stephen Evans.
1: Well, when we went away to break, Steve was hyped, or on the hype train, because he thinks Danica Patrick's going to win the poll for the Indianapolis 500. Right. And I'm going to go on the record as saying, Steve, if Danica Patrick wins... The poll for the Indy 500, there's going to be a Benjamin Franklin with your name on it that will be earmarked for you before next Monday's show. You have well, my word, and you can I've hit the I you button stop. if you want. I thought you said you don't make bets that
6: <laughs> you can't win. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, the exact wording was I don't make bets that I'm not confident I'm going to win, and I'm confident I'm going to win this one.
5: Well, after I picked Danica Patrick, the dog came running down here. So Aww. I'm just saying it's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> Maybe. We'll
1: see. Anyway, let's get back to talking dirt, shall we? Dirt is good. Dirt is good. Dirt is good. Dirt is good. You know what else is good, Steve. The train rolls on. We complain. They go out and win. David Gravel, Exhibit A, Tri-State Speedway. Anything can happen at Hobstadt, right? <laughs> Holy crap. And just about anything did happen at Hobstadt. I mean, what? <laughs> this, yeah, this was insane.
5: Uh, it, it seemed like that was a pretty insane race, uh, and, and, you know, anytime that you can have World of Outlaws uh, on a dirt track and there are drivers that maybe want to mix it up with each other or maybe settle their differences afterwards, that always is a good race in my book.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were four different leaders, by the way, in this race. And yet, when it's all said and done, here's the five team. Are they back, Steve?
5: Boy, I I really wish I I wish they were. And and maybe this is the catalyst to to them kind of getting things back together and and getting back on the momentum train that we saw them get on so many different times last season. Uh, You know, but but this is a team that, you know, regardless of where they're sitting in the points, when you just look at it from a morale and a momentum standpoint, you know, if they're going to contend, they've got to get something together here in short order, because even though we're in, you know, approaching the middle of may, Jacob, you know, you start to wonder if a team like this can't get things together. You know, we haven't even gotten summer kicked off yet and, and and they're going to be almost out of it. I mean, they've got to get it turned around A, a win this past weekend. It will take them a long way to try and get it turned around, but They've got to do something, and they've got to do it quick.
1: All right. So aside from David Gravel actually winning this race, Tom, it's refreshing to talk about names that, uh, number one, like to be guests on our show, but number two kind of woke everybody up and said, Hi, guys, we're here. Let's talk about the battle in this race between Justin Peck, yes, the same one that's won the Rumble twice, and Sheldon Hodden Shield racing for a win in the world of Outlaws before it went wrong with a few laps to go. Yeah, so Justin
2: watched the truck race on Friday night and then tried to duplicate what Stuart Friesen did to Kyle Busch. Um, No, that was, honestly, I don't know what, to make of that i watched it a few times um
1: my point was it was refreshing it, to see him contending in an outlaws race well
2: it, it it was and honestly if i were to assign blame there i'd almost have to do it 50 50 because it it was justin's fault because he pulled the slide job too tight but i mean there sheldon
1: was, could have lifted too yeah
2: there was no give there uh, whatsoever but it i It was just one of those situations, and I hated it for Sheldon because I think he had the car to win, obviously, but um, that's how it goes when you have that many cars on a track like that that are that close, you're gonna have stuff happen, and Justin went for it, and you know just barely missed unfortunately, but you know it is what it is, like I said that's uh. I love the Outlaws because if you look over the course of the last several days, we've had basically three different winners, and, you know, it's been, <laughs> it's been fun to watch. I mean, Shot Scott is two at Eldora, but uh, outside of that, he was over for the last couple.
1: Hey, Steve. Hey, Jacob. So, before we go back to talking about Donnie Shots doing Donnie Shots things at Eldora, How about the cat that led the opening lap of the Tri-State feature? Let's see. Kevin Thomas Jr. in a 63 car with a wing?
5: Yeah. How refreshing was that when you talk about, you know, refreshing things to see on the World of Outlaws circuit? Uh, I thought that was pretty entertaining.
1: It was very entertaining. Tom, you talk about a team that's been making news lately, dueling Hayward Motorsports. Let's see. They revived the sprint car program, the non wing sprint car program, mind you. They put KTJ in the car. Next, they revived the midget program. They put KTJ in that car. Now they went and bought a winged car, and they're going outlaws racing? I love these guys.
2: Yeah, it's cool to see. I mean, it's great to see new names and new faces in new places, and Good to see Kevin Thomas Jr. in a situation where he can race up front and be competitive. That certainly never hurts, and it even adds a little bit more depth to a series that already has a ton.
1: And, hmm, what else happened at Tri-State that was fun? Ooh,
5: ooh, ooh, I know. Kyle Larson, quick time! Yeah, Larson was in the field and uh, had the quick time, and, you know, Kyle Larson— in a sprint car is an interesting topic here lately because, you know, think of I'm looking back Jacob to last season when Larson was, you know, having a lot of great runs, a lot of consistency on the cup side there with NASCAR. And, you know, they've, they've had their struggles this year. They've got, you know, races where they haven't gotten the finishes and, you know, it just makes me wonder if we're going to see maybe a little bit less of Kyle in the sprint car, depending on how things are going over on the cup side, because if things continue the way they have, and maybe you can chalk it up to bad luck. Um, But boy makes you wonder and it makes you appreciate the starts. We saw him make this weekend.
1: Okay. So now I want to circle back to Tom's comment a minute ago, Tom. Sir. What was that that you said about Donnie Schatz getting his two at Eldora? And aside from that, he had been O for recently.
2: Well, you had because you had Brad Sweet win one, and then you had uh, who was one well, we just talked about?
1: David Gravel.
2: Gravel one, yeah. Okay, so so out of the last ha- four. hang
1: hang on a minute. Let's stop and remind ourselves, Steve. Donnie Schatz has won four out of the last six Outlaws races. He's won at three different racetracks in that span. What's Tom talking about?
2: Wait, that is not what I said. You need to learn to listen better, Jacob. What I said was Donny Schatz got his two at Eldora. Outside of that, he was O for the last couple. He was not O
1: for the last couple. G- uh, other, until Tell me David about the Gra- last four races. Who won them? Donnie Schatz, Donnie Schatz, Brad Sweet, Donnie Schatz, Donnie Schatz. Where's Gravel's win in that? After Donnie Shots is two at Eldora.
2: Okay, fine. So I was out of order, but he's still. My point is, is that we've had gravel, we've had Brad Sweet, it, we've we've had some different winners. It's not as easy for Shots
5: right now.
1: Uh, uh, Steve, can I just hit his mute button? He's confused.
5: <laughs> hey, I, I, you know, <laughs> when when he is going and sweeping at Eldora, I mean, even if he doesn't win one race, yeah, that's a change of pace after you. You go and see this guy win four out of six. So, uh, you know, he is uh, he's always going to be a part of the conversation because that 15 team is not going away. And I think they're only going to get better with things that are coming down the line. And uh, that's, you know, for our conversation here on Monday nights. That is probably going to make the conversation a little bit less interesting.
1: Yeah. By the way, he's got everybody buried in a triple-digit hole now. He's 104 points up on Sweet and 188 points up on gravel, and everybody else is a long way back. Oh, Tom, what was that about Sheldon Hodenshield being a championship contender? He's 216 points back. Well, he, he got pecked
2: the other night, so there's one win he didn't get that he have had. <laughs> but,
1: but yet again, he won three races very quickly. And other than that, he in 19 features, he's had six top fives. In that span, Donnie Schatz has had 15 top fives. I rest my case. This okay. is exactly what I said was going to happen at the beginning of the year and why I said Sheldon wasn't going to be a title contender. All
2: right, so we'll just cancel the rest of the season and give the trophy to Donnie Schatz, and let's move on.
1: Well, I said okay. he was going to win it in February. Okay, good for you. I'm glad <laughs> you went so far on that limb. Until somebody beats him, he's still the favorite. Just saying. Isn't that what I said, Steve? Just like Jimmy Johnson.
5: Yeah, and I hope somebody steps up here. I mean, I really do, because I don't want to. We do not want to see a triple-digit lead in May just continue (laughs) to expand and expand and expand. Because we haven't even gotten to his best tracks yet. That's no, we haven't thing. even gotten to the dead of summer. Yes. And, and that is very concerning. Yes. It should, be, it should be terrifying to the rest of the competition.
1: It is terrifying to me, at least. <laughs> Steve, last thought before we go to break. There was a big announcement out of the West Coast today regarding the Outlaws, and it's that Brad Sweet and Placerville Speedway have stepped up it is no longer the Brad Sweet Placerville Showdown. Instead, it's the 49er Gold Rush Classic, and we're paying 20 large to win and 1000 bucks to start. Hello, big money.
5: Yes, and that just ratchets up that race another notch. Uh, that race has put on some of the best shows of the World of Outlaws season for the last couple of years. And, you know, when when you've got, you know, th- this event started out as, you know, to me it started out as Brad Sweet, a way to kind of give back and, and get involved in the, in the promotional side of this sport. And now not only have they ratcheted up the pay, not only to win, but to start, which is super important. A, a race that pays a lot to win, but also takes care of the rest of the guys all the way down through the field is so crucial these days in dirt track racing and, and really any racing, any form of motorsports these days. But, uh, and, and not only that guys, let's not overlook the fact Napa auto parts is getting involved in this too. And I think this is a big, big deal because this is again, Another step in the sponsorship realm of things where Napa Auto Parts is not only are they on the side of a race car, now they're activating the sponsorship and they're participating in some big events uh, that are paying a lot to win and are going to be high profile events throughout the year. And I think that is that is exactly what the sport needs right now.
1: Cisco's clapping. I wish we had a visual for that, but that's coming. We're going to step away. No, no,
5: I was tossing dollar
9: bills.
1: Oh, is that what you were doing? doing. Yeah, totally
4: misread the signal there.
1: Well, unfortunately, Skype video is sometimes blurry and not always very easy to tell exactly what he was doing. So, okay, I'll I'll give the blame that I misread on that one. We're going to take a break. When we come back, well, I don't know what we're going to get into, but I feel like Tom and Steve are getting ready to fight. I can fan the flames on that one. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
3: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less,
1: Hi, I'm John
3: Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, all talking racing. And let's see, Tom had a good point, actually, or somebody had a good point. I guess, Cisco, you were the one I think that actually brought this up in our group chat right before the last break, and I'll let Tom and Steve fight about it. Playoffs? Playoffs? In the Outlaws? Do we need playoffs? Tom, do we need playoffs? Sure, why not?
2: Anything to make it more fun. I mean, you got 90 races there. How cool would it be to have the last 10 or whatever you want to make be playoff races of some sort and have a ladder system just like they do in NASCAR, I think a series that runs 90 races, that'd be wild. And that would also shake things up at the end of the year when we're coming down to world final and make that even more interesting. I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to trying something like that. It would also, I think, add some prestige to the series, probably be sponsorable as well.
5: Steve? Oh, uh, come on, guys. Really? A playoff? a playoff I'm talking playoffs playoff. Come I'm on I'm talking man. playoffs Every world of outlaw's purist just fell out of their chair and broke their hip on the floor I mean <laughs> Come Are on Are you saying they're all over 70 years old or heads, something what was it Heads would roll uh I mean I, I, uh, 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 I can't even I can't even fathom Did Steve's these so mad he can't even talk straight I just a playoff he's system not mad. He's not he's just like in the, shook. I, in we, the world of outlaws would be a disaster. A easy, it,
1: Ted Johnson it, is rolling in his grave right yes. now. Yes.
5: I guess I would have to see it, Tom. I'm I'm not going to completely write it off. I I would have to see it, but you know, it it does kind of take away that I mean, we were just talking about this earlier in this show about the fact that Kevin Harvick has been a dominant guy on the NASCAR side, but a blown motor could could take that whole body of work Absolutely. in the regular season That's why and I like throw it. it
2: out the window. That's why I like it. I mean, you know, honestly, I think, look, I, I don't care either way. I mean, we can we can give Donnie shots 15 more championships if we want. That's okay. I won't complain about that. The guy certainly earns them, but... You know, I just think it would make it a little more interesting. I think probably the drag racing purists when we started the the uh, countdown countdown would said the same thing. And certainly the NASCAR fandom is objected. But you know what? At the end of the day, the last couple of years around homestead time have been kind of fun um i just think it would be interesting to see and i wouldn't want to see it in for example the short track series because a lot of the tracks don't run enough races you'd have half your season as the playoff but um certainly a series with 90 races ought to be able to run the last 10 as a playoff and make something that really makes the world final into a world-class race instead of well, let's see who wins these races and hand Donnie Schatz another title because that's basically all we ever do anymore.
5: Wow. But are, but are we doing this to put on a good show for the fans or are we doing this because we don't want to see Donnie Schatz win?
2: Well, I think we're doing it. I I would be doing it because I think it would make the good show even better. I mean, I – and I don't – as far as Donnie Schatz not winning, he could just as easily win in a playoff as as he does without the playoff. The only difference is that we have some drama – for the championship, you know, going, actually going past September. I mean, that's, you know, to me, I don't think it would make a ton of difference in the regular season. I just think, and the only the only thing that would be interesting is how many cars do you put in it? Because you could have 20 or 22 different winners during the regular season. So how do you deal with that?
1: At that point, I think you have to limit it to winners who are full-time commitment drivers.
2: Well, You know, and maybe that's an incentive for more full-time commitment drivers. I don't know. Exactly.
1: Now you're following my line of thinking.
2: You know, like I said, I'm not going to start the campaign for it, but
5: I do think it would be interesting to explore. Or do you just go top 10 in points? That's a possibility, too. Maybe that would make the race race to get into the top 10 that much more interesting because let's face it, guys. I can't even tell you who is running 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th in points right now because, you know, essentially they're they're back there for a reason. Shane Stewart and
1: uh, Logan Shuhart are 7th and 8th in points. I know that. Behind them, I don't know. Yeah, I do yeah. think
2: uh, Jacob is right, though. I think you'd have to go to the full-time cars because, like, in NASCAR, you can't have, you know— Joseph Newgarden yeah. can't show up at Charlotte, win the 600, and get in the playoffs. You have to attempt to qualify for all the races. But I think some sort of a playoff would be interesting to explore. I don't know.
1: Speaking of Joseph Newgarden showing up at Charlotte or things that are weird like that, here's a bit of news that snuck in under the radar over the last couple of days Connor Daly will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut, Cisco, driving a lily Diabetes-sponsored Ford for Roush Fenway Racing at Road America. Q huh? I'm okay with it. Oh, I I'm mean, totally okay sense. with it. It was just one of those things that came totally out of left field.
4: But it, it makes sense when you consider that Lily is a company out of Indianapolis. Connor's a driver out of the IndyCar series, and they're taking that sponsorship, putting him together and saying, hey, Road America is a road course. Connor Daly could go out there and win. He absolutely could. So we'll just have to see when that comes. I mean, it. I I mean, I mean, love Sam Hornish Jr. and everything, but somebody else has got to win that race, right?
6: It's so crazy it might just work here. And that's what I like about the whole deal. It took so uh, it, it took me three sources because I didn't believe it at first. I had to go through three different articles just to make sure that this is what happened, and then I checked Connor Daly's Instagram and saw the photo, and I'm ecstatic. I think he's the right guy for this. I think he can he can go. It'll be interesting to see what he does in a stock car. We saw what happened the last time that happened. Uh, but um, it, it, seeing him at a road course, it, it definitely gives me hopes.
4: It's uh, And by the way, in case you're curious, all three Roush cars are going to be – he's not displacing anybody, actually. It's going to be Ty Majeski himself, and Ryan Reed, all in Lilly Diabetes cars at Road America that weekend. Lilly's doing the whole blanket for Roush Fenway.
1: Indeed, which I think, Tom, is fantastic.
2: Well, I think it's good. I mean, I'm happy to see – it'll be kind of different seeing Connor get a shot at a stock car. I mean, he hasn't got a whole lot else going on right now so no he doesn't who knows maybe there'll be an opportunity for him over there at some point if he shows well i mean shoot maybe joe gibbs will snap him up he's got enough other drivers over there <laughs>
4: <laughs> well now no, we, if you're we, NB, if you're nbcsn do you use his indycar photo for when they do the driver portrait for the nascar <laughs> race or are you gonna have to get a new one uh,
1: i would just use the indycar one it's already there
5: I tom just... baker you bite your tongue Nobody gets a ride at Joe Gibbs until Ryan Priest gets a full time ride. Well, Thank you. I, I didn't say I wanted it to happen. I just said it seems
2: like that's you know how it goes lately. I I Ryan Priest should have a full time ride. I think it's a crime that nobody has stepped up to give that kid a full time ride. It, it was the same as with Bubba for a while. I think that's you know that's just somebody not uh, having enough foresight to recognize that he not only would be a sponsor's dream but he'd probably go run for a championship
1: indeed we're going to take our final break lightning round coming up right after this you're listening to motorsports madness and we're back on spreaker and the performance motorsports network in a moment
3: how to be a great dad in 15 seconds Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed... Then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait
5: modified driver matt hirschman you're listening to motorsports madness on the performance motorsports
1: network that's actually appropriate considering where steve wants to go before we hit the lightning round welcome back to motorsports madness here on pmn jacob Seelman, tom baker steve Albin's, chris murdoch cisco scaramuza as we uh, get set to cycle into the lightning round steve but uh funny a modified driver brings us back into our final uh, segment here because I know while we talked about it on this network last week but uh, you wanted to pay a nod to uh, Maynard Troyer who uh, just like he did on the pavement side did so much for the dirt side and uh, we lost last week
5: absolutely I think the uh, the legacy of Maynard Troyer will live on years and years I mean decades from now because You, you, and Tom, you know this well from from your time up here in the Northeast. And 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 the funny thing about it uh, about Maynard Troyer's legacy is the fact that it's not just a Northeast thing. It, I mean, Troyer is not only across the country here in the U.S., but they have a massive presence in Australia as well uh, on the dirt modified side of things. So. Uh, you know, when you think about Peter Britton and, and his brother and and that whole family, they brought Troyer to Australia uh, to, in the dirt modified world. And, you know, it just it is massive. The, the legacy that Maynard Troyer uh, will will live on, uh, you know, well after uh, his passing last week. And I did I did want to give a nod to that because that was a, a sad moment last week. And everybody has a Maynard Troyer story. And, and what reminded me of it, Jacob, as we were talking about Ryan Priest, whose, whose colors on his modified uh, resemble uh, a Maynard Troyer number six from mm-hmm. back in the day. So um, uh, we will certainly miss Maynard Troyer, but the legacy will live on. Yep.
1: Yes, it will. Now, uh, as we continue down the road to getting to our lightning round, Tom, before we get to that, we want to pay a nod Uh, moving from the dirt back to the asphalt to a team that thank God uh, is not any worse off than what they were today, but actually a fire down at the rev racing shop that we just found out about uh, happened earlier today, but uh, the news didn't break until we were going on the air tonight.
2: Yeah. And this thankfully doesn't appear to be nearly as much as it could have been Um, really not too much damage to anything in the shop. It, um, singed a right rear tire on one of the cars and um scorched a couple of things but um nothing major apparently it was um static electricity on fuel that started it Um, and it was caught very very quickly before it did any serious damage really so thank god nobody was hurt and not a lot of damage Shouldn't uh, hopefully slow down Rev too much over there. They're no, ready.
1: they already said today on Twitter they're going to be at Memphis. Yeah, their
2: next race, that's what I was going to say, will be the uh, K&N Pro E-Series race at Memphis coming up on the 2nd of June, which is uh, oh, two and a half two weeks and a half away. Weeks from
1: now, yeah. Yep. And, Cisco, you have something on Matt Tift? Oh, no, no. I just
4: wanted to do the Matt Tift uh, trombone re-entrance. Oh. oh. <laughs>
1: No, yeah. no, but Tom Tom
4: and I did want to bring up a point and it was something okay. that came out today and uh it's definitely something that's going to be affecting a lot of the sports landscapes not just motorsports but Tom uh the Supreme Court ruling and striking down the uh Nevada's monopoly on sports betting which is a huge yeah. could potentially be a million dollar you know it already is a million dollar uh uh, economy of its own, but could could expand beyond just Nevada. New Jersey has been looking at it. But,
1: yeah, what have you got on that? Try multimillion dollars. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say it
2: would be multi million, And I, I know New Jersey wants it. I don't think you're going to see this in all 50 states. Uh, but my personal opinion on this is that I think it's good that basically what happened here is we've taken it from federal jurisdiction and sent it back to the states to decide amongst themselves each each among themselves whether they want it in their state or not um i like having more states rights than having the federal government dictate everything and in this but the only problem i have with this is you know there's always i mean there's a good side and the bad side the good side is if you use it recreationally and use it wisely you know it you can have some fun with it the bad side obviously is the addiction and um now you know we're kind of putting Um, more people in harm's way. But, you know, honestly, you could you could bet in Vegas anyway. So I don't I don't really know if this changes a whole lot. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how many states adopt it. Cisco.
4: Yeah, and I think this is going to help some of the Internet outlets that do it, that currently kind of do stuff. Dale Jr. alluded to uh, there was a big uh, competition. I think it was uh, at Talladega that they had a big uh, DraftKings deal where it was like up to ten grand or something. So that'll definitely, I think it'll help companies like that on the Internet side of things, at least make it a little bit easier, you know, obviously depending on state to state. But as far as motorsports reactions to it, Steve, a lot of it's been waiting to see. IndyCar said we're going to talk to our fans, figure out what we're going to do. And the NHRA and NASCAR both said we're just watching and seeing what's going to happen.
5: I think, guys, it's just a sign of the times. I mean, this is something that has just skyrocketed in popularity. I mean, we're even seeing it on the local dirt track side of things. I mean, Little Woodhall Raceway up here in New York, we have our own Fantasy Racing League where you can pick your three favorite local drivers. And, you know, it's something that is is just a sign of the times, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad that the states will be able to sort it out for themselves. But I think this is just something that is, you know, as times change, this is something that's going to catch up with it. All right. Let's go into
1: the lightning round proper now, and we'll start the NASCAR camping world truck series. Soon to be, we got to truck race because Gander (laughs) outdoors next year, that's not going to get old for a while. Just saying it already has,
2: but we'll keep saying it anyway.
1: Yep. Pretty much. what, is the percentage chance from zero to a hundred that Kyle Bush does not win Friday night's North Carolina Education Lottery two hundred at Charlotte? Tom, you can start.
2: The percentage
1: that he won't win, correct? Sixty. Wow, you're a brave man. Sixty percent
2: that Kyle will not win at Charlotte
6: on Friday,
1: Chris.
6: I'm gonna go forty. Because uh, if uh, this past race was any indication, he's got some stiff competition.
2: So you're All saying right. 40% chance he won't win?
5: Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. Went
2: the opposite of me.
5: Steve. 100%, because the 52 is going to put it in the lane on Friday. <laughs> well, <laughs> then. How about, then? about that? <laughs> well, Steve took I guess it one I guess step farther. Steve's partner. on the
4: bandwagon. Hold on. Doing, uh, well, Steve, listen,
5: Steve's. <laughs> Nobody circles the wagons like Halmar Friesen <laughs> Racing.
6: Steve has been dropping mics since the start of this show today. Bo- Boomer.
5: <laughs> wow.
6: How many mics you got over there? You just keep recycling, or you yeah. got three or four? He just puts it back on. Hold on, on guys. The stand. I got
4: hey, it. Oh, there we go. He <laughs> literally <laughs> just dropped a mic, ladies and gentlemen, on in front of his webcam, in front of only four other people who can see it. He just dropped a mic really okay. in person. Okay, Cisco,
2: are you going to be as brave as Steve and actually pick a different winner?
4: I'm saying he has an 18% chance that he won't win, signifying, of course, the 18 struck, because Noah Gregson's going to win again. Really?
2: Well, then that would be a 100% chance, because you picked Noah Gregson to win.
4: Okay, but, but I want to keep my motif with the 18, see, so I'm okay. just going to stay with 18.
1: Okay, I'm going to be the guy that reminds everyone, Kyle Busch not only is the defending winner of this race, he has seven Of the 15 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series trophies that have ever been given out from the Charlotte truck race. Zero. Kyle Busch is going to win Friday night, especially because he didn't win at Kansas and he's going to come in pissed off.
2: Well, and if Stuart Friesen tries that slide job move again, we all know what's going to happen there. <laughs> hey,
1: he's going to be inside in the grass that <laughs> Yeah, that, that will time.
5: not and move. And not of his own volition. Yeah, it will not work twice.
1: No, it won't. All right. Friday
5: night was a warning <laughs> shot, guys. Friday night
1: was a warning shot. Kyle Busch
5: gave him a warning afterward, I'm sure. Next. I, I can hear
4: the music in the background. <laughs> Next question. Steve's on the
1: bandwagon. Next question. Moving on. Yes. Pick your driver who's gonna leave a millionaire, Chris.
6: Uh, Boyer.
1: Wow, but oh, gosh, that party would go on all night. Cisco. Go all week. Um, just uh,
4: I want to say Kevin Harvick because I have no imagination, but I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Martin Truex Jr.
1: Okay. Steve.
5: Eric Almirola.
1: Wow. Eric Almirola. This from a guy who understands, yes, that he has to race his way in before he can go for a million bucks?
5: Absolutely. And I don't think that makes a bit of difference. Wow. Tom. I'm going to go with.
2: A pick that i think is almost as appropriate as eric alvarola this is a restrictor plate race remember so dale
4: jr can't win who wins. Yeah, <laughs> exactly
2: so who wins a restrict who has a great shot in a restrictor plate hey, race austin You're... Dillon. what austin he, Dillon. He won
4: there he won there last year he won I mean. last
2: year on a field mileage race the 600 that has nothing to do with the all-star he's austin Dillon. why not you we all don't know are. who's going to win because you can, you can talk all the stats and current uh, season stuff. You, you, realize, this race, race. you,
1: you realize this race is not going to be a plate race as we're accustomed to seeing it at Daytona and Talladega, right? But
2: it's a plate race as we've never had before in the Cup Series. Everybody starts at zero.
5: All right. So I'm... we're just all going out on limbs having fun. Huh. So what Tom's saying is Jimmy Johnson actually might have a chance. I, yeah. so what <laughs> I totally hearing. agree with that. That's absolutely right.
1: All right. I'm going to pick a guy who's <laughs> won the all-star race before. It's not Jimmy Johnson, however, but it is a teammate to the guy that was mentioned by Steve. I pick the 41. Oh, Kurt Busch wins another million dollars from the all-star race. Final lightning round question. Y'all better make it like 30 seconds or less a piece. Tom, thoughts, package, you think it's going to work? I have no idea.
2: I'm praying it works because we haven't had a good all-star race since, well, a long time.
1: Cisco.
4: I have no idea, just like Tom. We didn't think it was going to work at Indy, and yet it worked. Yep. So, I mean, I, I have no idea. Fingers crossed.
6: Steve got to be better than what we got now. <laughs> I like that
1: thought. Murdoch. I agree with Steve. I think it'll work to some extent. It'll make it better. Well, I'm not convinced it's going to make it better, but I certainly don't think it could possibly make it any worse. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with that. It can't possibly be any worse, so why not? And we're going to go ahead and close the book and say uh, keep an eye on the Fox family of networks all week because this is going to be fun. Saturday night, weather permitting. The Monster Energy All-Star Race for a million bucks, 21 cars, only one can win, and everybody in this building's gonna be there, so that'll be a lot of fun. Right now, though, we're going to throw a checkered flag and skedaddle on out of here. So thanks to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, all the folks at PMN that helped make this show possible. And for Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks, and we might just see you at a racetrack somewhere. If you're headed out to Charlotte, we'll see you this weekend Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit RaceChaserOnline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.PerformanceMotorsportsNetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.